This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. My apologies for the late uh, start here, guys. A little bit of a delay is on me. But now that we are getting started here, I wanted to open the show with some divisional round thoughts from a Patriots angle, Patriots lens, and then get into some of these questions that you guys have coming up here in our live Q&A. So for a few minutes, as we let some people trickle in, ask your questions in the chat. We'll get to as many as we possibly can. But I think the biggest conversation all around the, all over the place right now, Alex here in New England, is after watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen go toe-to-toe on Sunday night, to unicorn type quarterbacks, right? Guys that are just physically gifted up beyond belief. How far away are the Patriots from being able to contend and go toe to toe uh, with the team like the chiefs or a team like Buffalo. And I I've thought a little bit about this uh, since then and, and kind of have sat on, on this topic in my head a little bit. And first and foremost, I think the, the most important thing I want to hit on here is this notion that Mahomes and Josh Allen are doing it all by themselves and they just carry their teams and will their teams to championship level without any help whatsoever is, I don't know, it's just weird to me, right? I mean, it's just not factual, right? If you take... It's, Evan, it's disgusting. I'm just going to flat up say it, especially the Josh Allen side, because I think there is respect for what Tyreek Hill does uh, for what for what Travis Kelsey does. I actually really, it, not that those guys aren't great players, the Chiefs have done an excellent job of understanding you need complementary weapons. And I think guys like Byron Pringle, Miko Hardman are excellent right. players. I think in that sense, there's an understanding of that. You would think the way people talk about Josh Allen, he's playing 11 on one. Right. You really would. And you have PFF coming out yesterday tweeting, well, can we still get him in the playoffs? Would it, it, would anybody ever say that about Brady? He threw five. He threw five hundred yards against the Eagles in the Super Bowl and lost. And people tried to blame him. Right. But Josh Allen, and this is not a hyperbole, Evan. I sent you the screenshot. Is getting compared to Michael Jordan. Josh Allen, winner of all. Only by your only only by your Bills fan friend. Josh, right? That wasn't a Bills fan. That was not a Bills fan. Oh man. Josh Allen has won as many playoff games as times I used the bathroom today. Equal amount of resistance in both, by the way, and doing so in both. <laughs> and we're talking about him like he's literally impossible to stop. Yeah. Here's the reason why I am not so concerned about that game, Evan. Yeah. 
as good as they were at times, as good as Mahomes and Allen were at times, there was no defense played in that game. None, especially at the end. The fourth down throw, oh, Josh Allen on fourth down. The corner fell down. That is a bare minimum throw. Well, and Gabriel like, Davis also did take him does, out of his shoes, to be fair. A, a, a lot of what Josh Allen does with his legs are, is special. Right. But the wide receiver, man, we're giving this guy heaps of praise for the for doing the bare minimum as a passer at times. Again, that you, you know who you want to be scared of somebody? You want to be impressed by somebody in that game? Gabriel Davis. Let's right. talk about what Gabriel Davis did. Let's not give all of that credit to Josh Allen when Gabriel Davis is the one whose head fake put the corner on the ground. Okay? Let's not give all the credit to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes when both defensive coordinators decided to play prevent sidelines when both teams had three timeouts. So that, and it goes back to something I've said. You hope, you just hope the Patriots aren't making those stupid decisions when it comes to in-game coaching decisions. And the in-game coaching was okay from them this year. It, and I say it was okay. I don't mean that it was level. I mean, sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was bad. It kind of, it kind of split the difference there. But there was, that was like an NBA game, Evan. That's what that was. That was an NBA game. It's ju- it was just a matter of who's going to have the ball last. I think the defense the was a little bit better goals. than that. I think the defense was a little bit better than that. Not at the end of that game. And Nobody was, was playing not, defense not the at end. the end of that not game, the end. And the execution situationally the last 13 seconds was awful by Buffalo. Right. But when you really look at the Bills' defense especially – has been one of the best pass defenses in the NFL all season and they, long. And they, so, they weren't there. They weren't in that game. They, they weren't. weren't they, they weren't in the last thirteen. And I'm talking. I'm talking more about the other way around. I mean, the the the, you know, again, I, Josh Allen's throwing in. People are are drooling all over. I saw somebody drooling yeah. all over the read to Gabriel Davis on the deeper touchdown earlier. That's the primary read. What quarterback is it? And I, he can throw the he can throw the ball far. Just, no, 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 no. I, I agree with you on some he of this, Alex. No, he can throw no, the ball no, no. It's great. They're running. They're running dagger, right? They have they have the vertical and they have the route at the uh, intermediate level that every other quarterback besides like Josh Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, Rodgers, maybe all those guys are throwing the dig, right? Every single one of those quarterbacks, ninety uh, percent of the quarterbacks the in the league are throwing the dig. He goes over the top. The, the the throwing that ball to Gabriel Davis that deep ball not the one the touchdown at the end I'm with you the Gabriel Davis made a great move at the top of the route and, and he fell over but the deep ball that is there is only one maybe four or five quarterbacks in the entire NFL that can make that throw like when you get that read as a quarterback like Mac Jones gets that read he's throwing the dig route every single time and there's no okay, you're, you're, you're missing bad my point thing. here he made a good throw let's yeah. stop praising the fact that he recognized that the guy running the go was open. He was clearly open. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that he recognized it. That no, 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 no. I, there have been people praising the read. There have been people praising. My point is, let's stop giving him credit for things his wide receivers are doing. And that's why I have hope coming out of that game. Because the defense in that game, especially late, was atrocious. And I trust the Patriots to play better defensive football than either of those teams did in the final three minutes of that game. Okay, fair enough. My whole thing about this is not necessarily about the effusive praise of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and and the sucking up to the physical 
run first quarterback that can do all these magical things, right? It's not my, that's annoying. But I think the bigger thing that's annoying to me is that we need to remove these quarterbacks from the situation around them and look at it and say, how do you build this? How do you compete with this? And is it possible? And I look at the way that Buffalo is built. I look at the way that Kansas city has built Cincinnati and the teams in the NFC side as well. And I say, all these quarterbacks are surrounded by a ton of talent, right? They're surrounded by a ton of playmakers. Let's take, and I'm not saying we have to do this to prove that Patrick Mahomes is great or not, but just for the argument's sake, let's take Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey out of the Kansas City offense and see what happens, right? See, See how good Patrick Mahomes is because we saw here in 2019 and then parts of 18 as well that Tom Brady did not look like an MVP quarterback towards the end here in New England because of who he was throwing to. Then he goes down to Tampa Bay. He wins a Super Bowl and he has an MVP season this year throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk and Antonio Brown and all these playmakers around him. You look at the team in in Los Angeles, the Rams, who I think are probably going to come out of the NFC. And you have Matthew Stafford, who was wasting away in Detroit because he never had the team around him. He never had the coaching. He never had the defense. Now he goes to a team in the Rams who are putting all the infrastructure around him that are a well-coached team. And all of a sudden he's going to be in the Super Bowl, right? So the biggest thing that I think that I have learned about football in this day and age is obviously that you do have to have the passing game to be able to compete with some of these top teams at some point in time. Sure. You can win one playoff game like San Francisco did in a blizzard and zero degree weather in green Bay. And you can win one playoff game, 13 to 10, but at some point in time, you are going to have to score with another good offense to win a super bowl. If you're going to win two, three games in a row, to win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to get to that point eventually, right? Where you're you're going to have to put up some points. And people point to the 2018 Patriots. The 2018 Patriots had to outshoot Patrick Mahomes in the title game, right? That Super Bowl run doesn't happen. So it's not just 13 to three against the Rams. You also have to look at how they got there. And in order to string together successful games in a row, eventually you're going to ha- go up against the Patrick Mahomes. You're going to ha- go up against the Buffalo and you're going to have to put points on the board. But the biggest thing that I take away from all of this is that all of these quarterbacks play at some point in time in their careers. Now Mahomes was dropped into the Hill Kelsey situation. So he got it right away. Right. Right. But in terms of these other quarterbacks, they needed their teams to build up the infrastructure around them for them to be the guys that they are. Patrick, uh, Josh Allen truly didn't pop off in his career until Stephon Diggs got the Buffalo. Right. He he had some flashes early, but can he I add another name to that too? Real quick, Stephon I want to cut Diggs. you off. Yes, I want to add another name to that too. Stephon Diggs and Brian Dable. Right. Right. So you look at Stephon Diggs gets to Buffalo and all of a sudden Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. Joe Burrow gets his boy Jamar Chase in the draft and all of a sudden he's he's you know the a top 5 PFF quarterback in his second season. Matthew Stafford I just mentioned goes from Detroit to Los Angeles and all of a sudden boom here we are. Right? This this team and these people are so much better as a result of that. So when I talk about and this is where I wanted to segue into this when we talk about Mac Jones and no Mac Jones cannot run around like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and make these off platform 60 yard throws down the field and all this flash and all that kind of stuff. 
But when we talk about the conversation of can Mac Jones be a quarterback that you win because of and not just drag to a Super Bowl? He's, he's a, a, a truck, not a trailer, right? Can Mac Jones right, be yeah. that quarterback? It starts and ends with can the Patriots put these guys around him like these other quarterbacks have to allow him to be that guy? Because I have no concerns. I have all the faith in the world from what I saw of Mac Jones as a rookie that I think Mac Jones could get there to the point where he is going toe-to-toe with some of these other great quarterbacks in the AFC. Because at this point in time, everybody's sitting there and saying, oh, well, there's Mahomes, there's Allen, there's Burrow, there's Herbert, there's Lamar. And the AFC, the Patriots have no chance. Might as well pack up the bus, right? The Patriots have no chance because of all these other young quarterbacks. And I don't look at it as a Mac Jones problem. I look at it as a talent on offense problem. And we can also talk about the defensive side of the ball because I know people will come at me if I don't mention that they have to get better on defense too. But mainly, we, we, we're going to talk about it all offseason. Mac Jones needs his Stephon Diggs. He needs his Jamar Chase. He needs his Tyree Kill. He needs his uh, Cooper Cup. He needs his Debo Samuel. And until they get to that point in time, then yes, the Patriots are going to be undermanned to go up against these teams. No, no question about it. It's almost like, and I know this is breaking news to some of the nerds, but anybody who's actually watched this game and appreciated this game for what it is and not just a bunch of numbers knows this. Football's the ultimate team game. Right. You can't win it with just one player. I don't care who that player is. I don't care if it's Aaron Donald. I don't care if it's Tom Brady. I don't care who it is. Football is the ultimate team game. The Patriots are still building their team back up. And that is what it's, it's not the quarterback. It's not just the, if it was just the quarterback, the 49ers wouldn't be playing on championship right. Sunday. They would have been eliminated weeks ago. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback breaking news. I'm sorry to all the people who thought he could. He's a starting caliber. He's not a star quarterback. I will tell you. I will tell you exactly how I know Jimmy Garoppolo is not a starting NFL quarterback. Oh my god! No, I'll tell you how I know. Because the 49ers told me. Because Kyle Shanahan told me. They told. They told you that. They told you that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a stud. He wasn't a star. I don't think they told you that he wasn't a starting NFL Three first round picks, giving up three first round picks. They told me exactly what they think of him, giving up three Fair first enough. round picks. Maybe transitional at best. Maybe he's transitional. But he's certainly not. Again, I still have him behind Jones. When we were doing that thing, we were ranking all the playoff quarterbacks. I had him behind Mac. Would you give up three, like, like whatever um, Trey Lance's comp is in this draft. I guess it's Desmond Ritter. Oh, there would isn't you, one. Yeah. Would you give up the, okay, let's say Trey Lance is in this draft. Are you giving up three first round picks to replace Mac Jones with Jimmy Garoppolo? Certainly not. Right. Wait, or no, to replace Mac Jones with Trey Lance. Certainly not. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a starting NFL quarterback, but he's gotten to this point. And this is something that I know people, and you want to dump on me for saying this. And look, maybe I need to adjust my philosophy a little bit, but I think the core point is still accurate. You need a freaking team to win in the NFL. I don't care who your quarterback is. It certainly helps to have a good one. It certainly helps to have a good one. You still start your team from that spot. And that's why last offseason we were talking about core. I I was pushing back on the receiver talk. I was pushing back on on all the other talk besides quarterback because that's that's where you start your team. But you still need 53 guys to win a Super Bowl in this league. Look at what happened to the Packers. Right. right? Look, they have a better quarterback. Yeah. They have a better quarterback. Do they have a better quarterback? I, I think you need to. So I think we're at why, a point. I think so we're at a point. Real quick. Right. That's why right. I'm not afraid after watching that game. 
okay. because the reality is I like it. Uh, Josh, uh, uh, step, uh, um, where do I even want to start with this? Brian Dayball is going to leave. Right. Stephon Diggs is going to turn 30. Josh Allen's extension is going to kick in. That roster is going to get worse. This was their window this year and maybe next year. That's the window. Then that's it. The Chiefs, I think Kelsey already is 30, right? Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill's deal's up soon. Mahomes' deal is massive. That's going to kick in. That roster is getting worse before it gets better. The Bills' roster is getting worse before it gets better. The Patriots' roster still is three more years where it can get better. So are the Patriots going to come out and win the Super Bowl next year? I don't know. But all this talk of, oh, a decade of Josh Allen. Let's not also forget how Josh Allen plays and all the hits he takes. A decade of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I'm well, worried, uh, right. I'm to, worried about a decade of Joe Burrow, if anything, because that roster can still get better. Let's so get out of be, here with the decade fair. of it's just Allen and Mahomes and nobody else, because that's not how this league works. I know everybody saw what they saw from the I, Patriots. I it's not going to happen again. Down. The Chiefs will not be that team. The Bills will not be that team. Okay, so I fully think that Josh Allen's going to be a very, very good elite NFL quarterback for at least the next handful of seasons. I'm not going to say decade, right? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, let alone 10 years from now. So I'm not going to go decade. But I do think Josh Allen's going to be a really elite quarterback for a long time here. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. But the question is, it, it's not even a question. The thing is, is that it's not as automatic as everybody thinks it is that these quarterbacks are going to make it back, right? And Josh Allen's never even made a Super Bowl, let alone, you know, won one, right? But I'm just right. saying it's not an no, automatic. But he's Michael Jordan. It's not an automatic or a guarantee that they're going to make it there or that they're going to make it back in the taste of Kansas city, that they're going to keep on making it back. Right. Because that's the biggest thing that I look at is Aaron Rodgers hasn't been back since what was that 2012 that they made 10, it or 2010. It yeah. It's been over yeah. a decade. And when Aaron Rodgers made it in 2010, I'm pretty sure everybody probably said the same thing they're saying about Mahomes oh, and Allen. Now they're there. The people were pulling the quotes of it that don't worry. He'll be back. He'll right. be back. Yeah. It's right. out there. Right. Russell Wilson hasn't made a Super Bowl since 2014 that, against the Patriots. That was the last time Russell Wilson made a Super Bowl. And everybody that team was then, a dynasty. That Seahawks team was every, a dynasty. Every, everybody then was saying, he'll be back. The Seahawks will be fine. They'll keep winning. They have the quarterback. It'll be fine. I'd even look at Tom Brady and say, 10 years in between winning one, right? 2004 to 2014. Now, Brady is the unicorn of all unicorns, right? So he eventually broke through again and had a whole second peak or prime or whatever you want to call it there uh, now here in the last, this decade, but it took Brady a 10 year gap to win one again. So 
How about the Ravens too? We were talking, right. we were crowning them two years ago. Right. So this automatic assumption that the those Jaguars. guys will be back is erroneous, right? We know in the course of NFL history that that often doesn't happen, that you usually have a finite window and you have to maximize your championship window and then things rebuild and the roster turns over and coaches get hired to be head coaches elsewhere and the beat goes on. But back to the Patriots, and now we can start to segue in some of these questions. I think that there's a really uh, interesting conversation in Patriot land about what's more important and what the priority is going into the offseason. Because there's an argument to be had for both ways. Alex, I think you already know which way I lean, but uh, I'm interested to hear uh, have us talk this out. There is certainly an argument for both ways. But there are some people that are strong believers like myself that the only way that you're going to knock out a Buffalo or knock out a Kansas City or actually go on a Super Bowl run with Mac Jones is to surround Mac, priority number one, with as much weaponry as you possibly can. Then there's also another school of thought that says load up on defense, build a great defense, shut everybody down, and win football the old school way of playing great defense and running the football and playing clean on special teams and all the complimentary, all three phases contributing all, all that type of jargon. My problem with the defense route is not necessarily that we're neglecting anything like the Patriots need help on both sides of the ball. They should get help on both sides of the ball. Nobody's neglecting one to to feed the other. But my problem with the defense thing is I don't know in this NFL in this day and age, like I don't know if no matter how good of a defense you build, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't know if it's going to be enough to truly shut down some of these ridiculous uh, offenses that we see across the league in part because of how the rules are set up, right? And how the league is set up in general to allow these offenses to go out there and destroy teams. So to, I, I, I can hear both arguments. I think you're probably more towards the complimentary side. So here's the thing. I think the defensive argument is still valid. And you look at, you know, the 2018 Rams at the time were hailed as a very revolutionary offense, right? That Sean McVay was doing things nobody ever done before. And there was just no, like, like people thought he had cracked the code. People thought he had built something that was unstoppable. Right. And the Patriots had a defensive scheme to match him. I, I, and again, I look at, there was no resistance. There was no resistance in those games. And even the other games, if, if, if Tampa shows something defensively, they beat the Rams, right? Um, Tennessee, Tennessee's defense against the Bengals did enough to win that game. It was two really bad coaching decisions by Mike Vrabel and a bad pass by Ryan Tannehill that really made the difference. It wasn't the defense. The defense was enough to stop one of the best passing attacks. That being said, most of my attention actually probably is on the offense this season, and here's why. I think in terms of player personnel, the Patriots' defense is really close to being elite. I agree. All in all, all in all, and people are going to jump down my throat for this to just hear out the whole thing. All in all, they were one of the best defenses in football this year. They ranked second in scoring. They ranked fourth in yards against. When they did struggle, it was a combination of two things. It was injuries and probably more significantly coaching breakdowns. When I look at the defense, for them to unlock their potential, they're not. it's not as far away to unlock the potential of the defense and the offense. And I'm not saying this is easy, but really what they need is 
assuming they keep J.C. Jackson. If they lose J.C. Jackson, cornerback first pick. Right. No debate. But assuming they keep J.C. Jackson, really all they need is a second outside corner to allow Jalen Mills to play more freely. A little more depth in the secondary, which I trust them to get. We know their history with UDFA corners. And then a fat, really a fast linebacker. I, I like Cameron McGrone and Raekwon McMillan. I'd also dip into the draft. I know people are going to say N'Kobe Dean. One, I think he's off the board by the time the Patriots pick. Two, I just don't think they're going to compromise that much to get him. He weighs 220 pounds. Yeah. I think that they do understand they need the quicker linebackers. But again, instead of looking at the 260-pound slow linebackers or the 220-pound basically safeties, you got to look in the middle. Who are the guys who are like 240? who aren't lightning quick, but can move. I'm talking like Quay Walker. I'm talking uh, Troy Anderson, um, guys like that. Yeah, that's it. And the out, uh, second corner is kind of a big ad, but again, there's a lot of fast linebackers in this draft. I trust them to find a corner. The defense can be at that level. I think I, I know they, they didn't do it, but I trust them once they figure out whatever Fakakta nonsense is going on with the, or with the organizational flow chart on the defensive coaching side, once they figure that out, I trust them to play better defense than the Bills or Chiefs did in the final two minutes of that game. The offense a little further away. You need multiple pass catchers. You need to replace James White. They need an offensive lineman. We don't know if it's a guard or a tackle yet, depending on what they do with Michael and Winu, but they need at least one starting offensive lineman. Um, there's a lot more going on on that side of the ball. So I still subscribe to the idea that I think an elite defense will go a long way for this team. I don't think they should abandon the defense. That being said, I actually think the defense is a lot closer than the offense is in terms of player personnel. Whatever the coaching situation is, is what it's going to be. Um, I think that the, the player personnel issues are much bigger on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So I, I do think this is an offense offensively focused offseason. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the defense. I, I think we're getting really carried away about one game against Buffalo, even the week 16 game against Buffalo. I'll give you that one as well. If you want to throw that in there, but first and foremost, you look at the bills, they were a tidal wave at the end of this. I mean, even though they got knocked out by Kansas city against the Patriots, against the chiefs, neither one of the, those defenses could stop Buffalo. They had one of the most efficient offenses in the playoffs this year, the most efficient offense in the playoffs. This let, year. let me just say real quick. The other thing to remember about the bills as good as they looked. These last two weeks are the first time Josh Allen played consecutive games with a passer rating over 90 since October, since early October, since weeks five and six. Right. He went three months. Yeah, he's an, he, with, he has with, high highs and right. he has some low lows. He, he, went th he went three months without playing back-to-back -back consecutive games. So you caught him at the wrong time. You might catch him at the wrong time again. You got to be ready for it. But I think we might be overreacting a little too much to those games. I think we are because people are looking yeah. at – especially that playoff game. And people are looking at that and saying, oh, the Patriots need all sorts of help on defense. Well, ideally going into next season, the Patriots won't be starting Jawan Williams at outside corner and having Devontae Bosby as their third CB, right? I, I mean, uh, like that, that, that defense. And then you look at Miles Bryant being in there as well. Whatever the heck happened to Matthew Judon down the stretch, whether it was COVID or a physical injury that got to him that slowed him down. Christian Barmore's out there playing on one leg. Kyle Duggar's out there playing with one hand, right? I mean, there was a lot of reasons why we got it to be that that bad on defense. Right. That, that were not necessarily all just personnel driven. So I look at the defense and I, I agree with you. I think that they need a linebacker. 
maybe two, depending on how much they're going to let some of the younger guys play. If Josh Uche is not going to play and Ronnie Perkins isn't going to play and they don't trust those guys to start taking on bigger roles, then maybe they need multiple linebackers. But I think they need a linebacker that is a replacement for Dante Hightower, who maybe is, like you said, 240, 245 instead of 260. And he's got a little bit more new age versatility to him and speed. And then the corner. But those are just two spots that they need to fill. I think offensively, the hardest, the thing that makes it so hard offensively and why I am so offense heavy this offseason is that what they are chasing, especially at the skill position players, are not easy to find. Like they don't, Tyree Kills, Stephon Diggs's, Cooper Cups, those guys don't grow on trees. A linebacker that can move a little bit, that can also play in Bill Belichick's system. Those guys are a more dime a dozen than the the guys that we're talking about on the offensive side of the ball. The problem is with the offensive players is there are only a finite, maybe 10 to 15 playmakers in the NFL that make that much of a difference in an offense. And the Patriots have to go out and get one of those unicorns. And that's not easy. The defense, you get a number two corner, you get a linebacker that can move a little bit. I mean, come on, that, that stuff is replaceable. That stuff is findable. It's the, can they identify somebody in the draft at the wide receiver position and get somebody in here that's going to develop into a Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup level player? Can they trade or acquire somebody like that in the veteran market? Those are the types of things that are more troublesome or worrisome to me in terms of uh, do they have the do they have it? Do they have the personnel, the scouting, the the ability to go out and identify those types of things. And I have way, way, way more faith in Bill Belichick's ability to find a linebacker that can play in his system or to find a corner that can play in his system or a defensive lineman. I know a lot of people want some, some more pass rush, some more edge rush, maybe a guy up the middle that can clog up the middle. I, they, they know how to draft those guys. They know how to find those guys. It, it, the guys that they struggle with are the skill positions. And that's exactly where we're, we have been at for years now. And, and that's a little bit more worrisome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that the other thing is the way they play defense, you can kind of hide some of some deficiencies. Right. Not everything, but, you know, they have ways to make up for, for, for this and that you can't hide a lack of speed on offense. It's just the reality right. of it. So um, this isn't me subscribing to any new age, Matthew, analytical, whatever. I no, it's it not. It's you, but not. you watched that game on Sunday night, just like me and all the rest of the analytical nerds did. And you saw the speed on Kansas city and Buffalo offensively. And it's a different game. They, they are moving at a different pace. Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, a Tyree kill like McCole Hardman. Right. All those guys but, are moving at a different pace than the guys okay. that the Patriots have on offense. Good football players are fast. The the analytics nerds didn't create that. They can take credit for it all they want. That's, Al Davis created that, right? Exa- Al Davis, the least analytical person of all time. Yeah. The guy who would just read off the combine results and draft based off of those. Uh, right. So that's not, an, and we knew the Patriots needed speed. Like, that's not a secret. I think it's just a matter of, the defense is, and and it's people. We're gonna say this all offseason. We're gonna get crap for it, and it's just a reality. The defense is close. The issues with the defense weren't the, for the most part, were not the players they have. Right. That's the other thing. Like they're gonna get John Jones back, right? They're gonna get. 
I, I think getting McGrone and Raquan McMillan in the lineup will be a big deal. Like the defense more or less has outside of really that corner, the defense kind of has the personnel. The linebacker like 50-50. Right. The the offensive issues I don't think can be fixed by who's in the building. That's what it comes down to to me. You need more external help offensively than defensively. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, ask away. Fire away. Give us some questions here in the chat. As we're waiting for these questions to roll in, let's segue over to the – I keep saying that word. Let's move over to the coaching uh, carousel here for a second, Alex. I think this is another big uh, talking point that people are going to want us to hit on here. Josh McDaniels, all sorts of rumors about him going to the Raiders. It could be a Patriot combination going to las vegas whether it's dave ziegler and josh mcdaniels or dave ziegler and gerard mayo uh, that seems to be a a pretty big buzz are you buying the mcdaniels stuff because uh ian rapaport albert beer a couple other the big jays reported about it over the last couple of days uh, i know uh, mike reese wrote about it today too as well what would happen the succession plan from josh mcdaniels so question number one I suppose is, do you buy it? Do you buy that the Raiders are actually that interested in Josh McDaniels? Because I do think that if McDaniels were to leave, I don't think it would be this big courtship, this whole, you know, uh, party, right. This whole thing going on in in, in front of the media. I do think it would be a little sneaky behind closed doors, a a little bit more hush hush, but in terms of McDaniels, do you believe that he's in, of interest to in the Raiders? And what do you see here as a succession plan if Josh McDaniels were to go to Las Vegas? So here, here's kind of me reading the tea leaves on the McDaniels thing. Let's call this an educated guess. I think, because Vegas is also hiring a GM, right? Remember that. Right. I think Vegas is taking pitches on what these potential GMs would do with the future of the franchise. And... Look, they they made the playoffs, right? They're in the playoffs, all well and good. And I think they're probably hearing a lot of staying the course, rounding off the edges, and this team's ready to compete. But they probably also have a candidate or two who says, you need to take a step back, take a step forward. Carr is going to be in the last year of his deal in 2022. It's time to prepare to move on from him, reset at the quarterback position, and go from there. So I think if they are going to follow that first course of action of stay, you know, staying the course, staying with Carr, all of that, then you probably want a guy like a Gerard Mayo or Brian Flores, Leslie Frazier, uh, Todd Bowles, one of these defensive types, right? I think that's the yeah. way to go. At the same time, so McDaniel's value right now is solely based on Mac Jones' performances here in my mind. Yeah, he's developing quarterback. Right. This yeah. has nothing to do with, with the offense he designed or anything of that. People are still pissed at him for what he did to the Colts. I right. think the idea is here's a guy who made a rookie quarterback work. We want that. So what I what I read this all as is the Raiders are keeping Josh McDaniels in their back pocket just in case they decide to move on from Carr. If the GM they hire wants to move on from Carr, McDaniels becomes the most logical candidate. If they're going to stay the course, there's no shot they're going to hire McDaniels. If I'm worried about losing McDaniels anywhere, it's Tampa. Because all of this messaging from Brady that he's going to retire, yeah. to me— and Definitely Jim, Murray, something. Jim Murray pointed this out. I know exactly what he wants. He wants that goofball Margaritaville ass coach out of the building. I've, I've said this for two years, Evan. 
So I, I think what Brady is afraid of down there, I don't know if Josh McDaniels would be the guy, but I do think what he's worried about is losing Byron Leftwich. And maybe there is a world where he would rather Byron Leftwich be elevated to head coach or Todd Bowles to be elevated to head coach. And that would keep Byron Leftwich or something like that so, going on behind the scenes. I don't know if it's McDaniels so getting pulled I'm, down there though. I'm not angling for Mc, I'm not saying he's angling for McDaniels directly, but what I'm saying yeah. is this is clearly going to be a process. Let's say this drags on to March. You don't hire a head coach in March. All the candidates are off the market. But McDaniels isn't somebody they necessarily need to worry about in terms of the timeline, right? So if it takes him until March to force Arians out, McDaniels is going to be – McDaniels will be the top candidate come March. For, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So that's – it's not necessarily, oh, I want Josh McDaniels. It's just, you know, Byron Leftwich might get hired elsewhere. I, I think regardless of what happens with Byron Leftwich, I, I just think he wants Arians removed. Forget yeah. who replaces him. Look what a train wreck that organization became in the last six months. That starts and ends with Bruce Arians. Tom Brady didn't let that thing fall apart. Bruce Arians and his goofy, you know, I was on with Ted Johnson on Sunday, summed it up perfectly. Win or lose, we booze. That is Bruce Arians' mentality. Tom Brady could not be further from that mentality. I never got how that relationship was going to work. He carried his ass to a Super Bowl. He won one in spite of him. But, yeah, I think he wants that guy gone. And then, honestly— I, if I'm Tom Brady, get rid of him, and then we'll figure it out. Whether it's Leftwich, whether it's McDaniel's, whoever the hell it is, get that clown the hell out of the building. I think that's what's going on down there. Okay, so two different things we addressed there. First of all, with McDaniel's, I think there's a different the way that I would go about hiring a coach. And I think this is where yeah. the problem I have with McDaniels is if you can get your hands on a Kyle Shanahan or on a Sean McVay or on one of these guys that are truly no offense to McDaniels are truly innovators on the offensive side of the ball, right? Truly right. like geniuses on that side of the football, then that's one thing. And then you go for that guy, right? You, you, you get that sort of guy in your building, but if you're not going to hire somebody that is on that level of innovation, creativity, scheme, all that kind of stuff, then the best leader and the best CEO is where you should be headed, right? That, that right. You're, you should be looking for the best motivator, the best organizer, the, be the guy that's going to uh, run the company the best. Right. And not Bruce Arians. Right. Not Bruce Arians. I don't, Arians. I don't think that's Josh McDaniels either. Right. Like I don't think. Yeah, so I would agree with that. In this coaching cycle, the guy that I look at that is the offensive mastermind that I would back up the Brinks truck for immediately is Dable, right? If they, if Dable wants, yeah. if you can get Dable in your building, I think he is a McVay, a Shanahan, an Andy Reid, one of these guys that are are truly at the top of the offensive coaching game. Right. I don't think Feels that's like McDaniels either at this point. Yeah. I don't think McDaniels is in that category of elite, elite offensive minds. I don't think he's in the great CEO category either. So if I'm a team looking for a head coach, I look at a guy like Gerard Mayo. I look at a guy like Todd Bowles. Those guys are known to be, or even a guy, and I know this is crazy and everybody's going to scream at me, even a guy like Dan Quinn, who's universally loved by everybody that he coaches, right? Is just right. one of those guys that everybody gravitates towards and loves. That Those are the types of guys that if I can't get my hands on a Dable and I can't get my hands on a on a McVeigh or on a Shanahan or on a Reed or on one of those types of guys, then I'm going for that guy. And I, I think in a lot of ways, the Chargers, when they hired Brandon Staley, thought that Staley was the McVeigh of defense, right? Nope. They thought that they were getting that that sort of coach of that level right. of, of mastermind. 
and maybe they were wrong about that one too. So uh, that, that's where I'm at with the McDaniels thing. I, I just don't know if he fits into either category at this point of really the only great thing about McDaniels that you can point to is his ability to work with younger quarterbacks. It seems right. like he has a knack for that. I know everybody's going to bring up Tim Tebow, but you look at Jimmy G, you look at uh, obviously Mac, you look at Matt Castle in 2008, right? He does seem to have an ability to work with these younger quarterbacks. So maybe there is something to be said for his genius in that department. But I also don't know to a degree how much of that is Bill Belichick, right? How much of that right. is Bill Belichick painting the picture of what exactly the defense is going to do and the, and really uh, working with those quarterbacks as well, those Tuesday meetings and things like that. You know, how, how much is that a, a role in all of this too, with the Patriots ability right. to develop that position? So it, it's an interesting conversation with McDaniels because it, it does feel like every single insider under the sun is saying, don't, don't sleep on McDaniels to the Raiders. This has real traction. This has real legs behind the scenes. I'm just searching for what does McDaniels bring to the table that's better than any of the other options that the Raiders have out there at the moment. Right. Is he the best offensive mind? Is he the best leader? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he might. He might not be either one of those things. Again, I, it, it, all, it only makes sense if they want to move on from Carr. Yeah. That's like then all of a sudden, okay, we're talking if, if Carr's still going to be there and they're going to pay him next year and whatever, or if they make a run at a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson too, like then I don't know what McDaniels is doing there. If they're going to play out this last year with Carr and then go to the draft, then yeah, I think McDaniels is again, I don't know that it makes him the best candidate, but then at the very least, he's a logical candidate. We should take some questions. We keep. Yeah. Well, these are all questions that were in the chat. I just wasn't able to pull them up. All right. I want to talk about this one real quick, actually about, Uh, the DTs and the, and the defensive linemen, because I, I, although the 24th and run defense, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's yards per attempt or, or whatever, but that's uh, to, they were actually 20, 26th or 28th in yards per attempt. 24th is total yards. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I you know me, I go by the nerd math, not by the, the, the total raw math, but regardless of that 21st overall selection has Jordan Davis at 21 feels a lot like Vince Wilfork at 21. Am I, am I sleeping on that? Or am I wrong about that? It, it feels like there is a little bit of uh, overlap there, right. In terms of play play style and uh, what they would bring to the table. And I don't know, the Patriots took Vince Wilfork at 21. He's probably going to be inducted into the pro football hall of fame at some point. And why not take another star DT at 21? I, I, Jordan Davis is not Malcolm Brown right? No. He's not Dom Easley. Uh, I think that that is a pick that 20, tw- you know, 30 years ago, Jordan Davis is probably a top five pick in the draft, but nowadays he's a two down DT. So he's not as coveted as he once was. So here's the thing about Jordan Davis though. I, I don't think he's a two down. I think he's a three down player. He's a really, really good pass rusher. Yeah. He's a good po- power <laughs> rusher. He can, he can collapse the pocket. I agree. It's not, no, it's not, but yeah, that's the thing. It's not just power. And that's where the Vince Wilford comparisons come from. He right. can move. He's athletic. He's yeah. very like he could he can rush off the edge. He's 6'6, 340. He can rush off the edge. I would be shocked if he's on the board at 21. But you want to talk about adding a lot of needs, being able to stop the run, being able to rush the passer, all of that. He's kind of like Barmore. The only difference is Barmore is what 310, 315. Jordan Davis is 340. Yeah. I would, I would, I would, I would he's more Barmore's mold than he is because again, Vince Wilfork wasn't. Vince Wilfork was good against the pass, but he wasn't a pin your like he wasn't a pin your ears back pass rusher, right? Yeah. Jordan Davis can go get after the passer 
from the uh, yeah, middle. He's, he's so, one of those guys that when you watch a national championship game just on TV with, with your friends, with, with you know, and just trying to have some fun watching a game, and you're like, who is this guy on the Georgia defensive line, right? Like, this guy is taking over every single down. This guy is making an impact some way, shape, or form, whether it's a pass or a run. And you look it up, and it's Jordan Davis pretty much every single time, right? I mean, whether it's collapsing the pocket, whether it's exploding through gaps to get into the backfield, whether it's taking on multiple blockers and clogging up the middle, this guy is all over the place on the tape when you pull up the Georgia defense. And it would be, I think that's a great pick at 21 Still. if they get a player like that. I've got to find I got to find this video and send it to you. There's a video from two years ago where he's working with the tight ends at practice. Yeah. He has better footwork than the tight ends in terms of yeah. running routes. Yeah. I mean, he's tremendous athlete. Not, like I don't want to disparage Vince, but this is Jordan Davis. The fact that he's even in the discussion at 21 blows my mind. I thought who the, was this? You can that, you can you can thank the nerds for that. Who was the discussion because of the nerds? Well, well, even who was the defensive tackle last year that went in the uh, was from Auburn? It was a top ten pick, top fifteen pick last year or two years ago with um was it two guy years ago? in Carolina? Is that who you're talking? Two years about? ago, yeah, 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 two years ago in Carolina. Yeah, I'm um, blanking on his name um, right now. Derek Brown. Derek, Derek Brown, Brown ended up being yeah. the seventh overall pick in the draft. Right. Jordan Davis is a much, much better football player than Derek Brown. And that's yeah. not a slight to Derek Brown. Right. But the like, problem is, is that Derek Brown goes to Carolina, certainly is doing what they're asking of him in Carolina, but he's not a yeah. difference making player. Right. So, that's, that's so here's he's... what I'm saying Jordan Davis is a difference making version okay. of the player Derek Brown is. Yeah. I, I would I necessarily disagree with you. The guy's unbelievable. Every single he's time I watch it. He's going to run a sub five at the combine. Yeah. Every like, single time I watch that Georgia defense, that guy was just creating absolute havoc. So, yeah. like I said, at 21, I have a feeling that Bill Belichick loves those types of players. He just, he just loves them. Right. Like I, right. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right. Uh, Sean Payton, Alex retiring uh, today, at least for the couple of years, taking a leave of absence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, any thoughts on it in general for new Orleans, but also just spinning it forward to the Patriots. They got some players on that roster that <laughs> certainly would look good in a Patriots uniform. Uh, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan, now, they're in a little bit of a cap crunch. I don't think it's as bad as what's being advertised. Nick Underhill down there in New Orleans does a great job covering the Saints. He's written and talked about in a lot of ways how the Saints could move money around and, and be pretty good cap-wise. But they will probably have to, at some point, offload some players, right? They're not going to be yeah. able to keep absolutely everybody. And you also go into it that you're going to have a new coach losing a guy like Sean Payton is losing a pillar of your organization. Right. So losing a guy as big of a deal as Sean Payton, no quarterback, they're going to have to hit the reset button here a little bit in New Orleans. So some of these guys that are getting up there in age or contractually are very, very expensive, might not make the most sense to hang on to at this point for the Saints. Yeah, I'll pass on Michael Thomas. I just he's slant boy. He's played 13 games in the last two years. You don't like slant boy? He fell off. He had one yeah. good year. They yeah. traded the wrong guy. They they had to trade one of them. They traded the wrong guy. They should have kept Brandon Cooks. But that's another point. I don't know Brandon Cooks. My, Michael Thomas. Does Brandon Cooks have Michael Thomas' season? Was that 2019 with Drew Brees? Right. He had one really good. Besides that, I mean, he, basically since that season, he's been hurt. Yeah. So I, I guess Michael Thomas is the peak, but if you want the extended, like, like overall body of work, I've been more impressed by, by Braden cooks. Um, 
Marshawn Lattimore is the one for me because we just talked about they need a second corner. Right. And you He's talked expensive right now, but you you talked about this on the last show though. One of the biggest issues for the Patriots is they had to play zone, and that forces their linebackers into coverage, and that was a big problem. You have J.C. Jackson and Marshawn Lattimore opposite each other. Oh yeah, they play no zone. Right. Linebackers don't have to cover anything. Then yeah. you can go ahead. Then go ahead and get uh, uh, Chanel, whatever his first name is, Chanel from Wisconsin, the two hundred seventy pound downhill kid, Leo right. Chanel. You can have him running downhill all you want if you got J.C. Jackson opposite Marshawn Lattimore. So if they're going to p- pick a piece off that roster. He's the guy to me. I guess if you want to go like pound for pound, considering he costs a ton, I can't imagine Cameron Jordan would be super expensive at this point. Yeah. And having him opposite uh, Matthew Judon, I think would be a nice little fit. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. And by the way, Sean Payton's going to be back in the NFL. This is one year off, and then he's going to Dallas. So there's one other player I would mention. I, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is obviously a no-brainer, but he is due $24 million in cash in his contract next year. So that's not going to happen here in New England with, with pairing him with J.C. Jackson, right? If the right. Patriots feel like Marshawn Lattimore is better than J.C. Jackson, then that mm-hmm. situation could happen, right? Which was similar to what happened with Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler, right? They right. saw a better player out on the market and they upgraded CB1 instead of pairing uh, Butler with somebody. So they could go that direction with it. I, I, I don't know if they would. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is expensive. The one other guy I would look at as potentially a nice player for New England, although he's a little bit of a maniac, is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who can play nickel, who can play slot, can play some safety. I, I know he's not the player that you want. He's not the Bill's not going to want anything to do with him. Because of his attitude? Yeah. Yeah, his attitude is bad. I don't disagree there. I'll float you one. All right. You think Bill would make a run at Taysom Hill? Oh, God. You know, Maybe. I'm not they, saying they, should he. I'm I don't know. I don't know what his contract looks like, but if they, end Nobody up releasing, does. if they end up releasing Taysom Hill and he's just a free agent for anybody to sign, I wouldn't rule it out, right? I mean, that's the type of player that Belichick gravitates towards. Those Those guys that are... Nobody knows what they actually are, but they have some sort of football player instincts in them, right? And you just kind of yeah, make yeah. it work. Uh, you're right. I, look, he you're raved right. about Felipe Franks before that Falcons week about how he's a backup quarterback and he covers kicks and he, he can be a tight end. So I think Bill wants a guy like that. I actually have on my draft board a couple quarterbacks who kind of fit that mold. Sucks Will Lev- Levis went back to school. He would have been the perfect guy. But would Bill bail him out? Taysom Hill? Uh, not, they're not going to trade for that contract, but if he, gets released, if he gets released, the, then maybe we could have that conversation. The contract's here. super weird. I think it can be reworked. Yeah. I wonder okay. if he'd get them to rework the deal and then pull that. Pull there the are team. some players on New Orleans, point blank, you know, overarching point here. There are some right. players on New Orleans that would be nice, right? There, there are some yeah. players there that would be fun to have. One other one I mentioned, he's actually a free agent, but New Orleans might not be able to pay him now because of their situation is Deontay Blake Harris. Portals. Yeah, Blake <laughs> I like I like Deontay Harris. He'd be yeah, Deontay Harris is would kind of come in here and I think be a little bit like the Patriots is Isaiah McKenzie, right? He's not yeah. going to play ninety percent of the snaps. He's not going to have a full time role in your offense, but he can come in and give you that gadget yards after catch ball carrier speed. type of role speed. Yeah, he he's he can return yeah. kicks too. I think right. Your yeah, he was yeah. one of PFF's highest graded receivers in the league last year because he was just incredible with the ball in his hands. Like they yeah. people yeah. couldn't tackle him. So uh, he's an interesting one too. He's a street free. He's a UFA so that they could just go out and sign Deontay Harris, which is, isn't yep. a terrible one to look at. 
I know not people want move. Isaiah McKenzie, but I think McKenzie's going to stay in Buffalo. Ultimately, I think he likes it there. Uh, but a guy like Deontay Harris would be the other guy I would look at in the free agent market that's kind of like an Isaiah McKenzie. All right. Harris is, Harris is an RFA, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then they have to sign him to an offer sheet. That's a whole other problem. They might be able to sign him to the offer sheet, though, because New Orleans doesn't have the cash to back it up, right? Exactly. So they might yep. be able to do a Chris Hogan there. Okay. Here's a question for you. They left out your guy, Wandell Robinson, yeah. which is offensive. Yeah. Flat out offensive. But I love this question because I think this is going to be a conversation when the Patriots run through their mock draft simulators that Bill Belichick's talked about in the past. I'm not saying they're using PFF's mock draft machine. Because it still like doesn't that. have kickers. You're right. But they do run their own simulations. These are the types of conversations I believe that they have truly in the draft room, right? If we have the number one defensive player on our board in the first round and we take that guy, but we know we need a receiver, which one of this cluster of receivers do we like the best? So whether it's David Bell, Pickens, Mechie, or let's throw Wandell in there too. Those four guys, I believe, would be in a cluster on the Patriots board where they would be happy with any one of those four wide receivers. But which one do you want them to pick the most and why? So I'm out I'm out on Mechie. I'm out on Mechie, and it's not nothing. You know, you guys know me at this point. I'm an Alabama fan. I'd love to see Mac to Mechie or Mac to Jameson Williams. I just don't think you can wait a year. I don't think you can wait a year for your big wide receiver acquisition to make a difference. So if they didn't have the torn ACL, if, if they didn't have the torn ACLs, yeah. they'd be one and two on my board for the Patriots. They right. really would, but yeah, I, they can't be at, with this high of a pick. You know, if you're talking about Mechie, maybe you're getting into the nineties, right? The third round, fourth round, I'd bite. So we'll take him out. The thing for me with, with Wandale Robinson, as much as I like him and he is my draft cross crush on the offense. Don't back off ball, on it just because everybody's it, Well, here's the thing. And Evan, terrible. I texted this to you. So, you know, this is true. Yeah. And he's my draft crush on the offense side of the ball. It's Quay Walker on the defensive side of the ball. And then Matt Arrays on special teams. But <laughs> I think that Wandale can't, they still need the downfield guy. And right. maybe that's as simple as changing Nelson Aguilar's role. But if they don't go out and get like Calvin Ridley, I still think David Bell or George Pickens is a better pick than Wandale Robinson. Right. Can I, can I lay out my master plan for you? I did this on the show with Murph earlier today because it, it yes. involves this question. Sure. Here, here's, and I I'd have to run the numbers by Miguel. I don't know exactly how realistic they are. There's a lot of ifs right. in here, but if you can make the ifs go your way, trade a second for Calvin Ridley, which is the reported asking price right now. Trade a second for Calvin Ridley. You then go out, you trade Isaiah Wynn for a late second round pick, which I think you could do. I think you could do. That, by okay. the way, is just about flush in terms of cap. You're down like a million dollars. The difference right. be because they're both on their fifth year option. Right. You then use the, you then bring back Trent Brown, bring back Ted Karras. Use your first round pick. You take a tackle, Darian Kennard, uh, uh, Jackson. Uh, I'm blanking on his last name. The kid from uh, Washington, Jackson Kirkland. You take one of those two tackles. That guy sits behind uh, uh, you have Trent. And on when he was your starting tackles, that guy sits behind him. You then use your second round pick you got for Isaiah Wynn to draft Wandale Robinson. Now you have two starting tackles, a third guy wait, waiting in the wings. You have your true X receiver. You have an explosive slot receiver to pair with Kendrick Bourne. Now you're in business on the offensive side of the football. I think if they put that offensive unit together, now Not we're bad. talking. Now okay. we're talking. But can you answer the question directly? Because oh, so, okay. yeah. Which it, one of these of names would you take out of this group? Assuming they don't bring in a receiver in free agency or via trade, I don't yeah. know that much about David Bell. You were kind of texting me about him. He kind of flew under my radar this year. So I'll, I'll, 
he's he's like a very serviceable NFL wide receiver, but he's nothing flashy. So some, of his, Mitchell? some of his contested catches are flashy, but I I'm so over the contested catch guy, right? Like I, I when I, whenever I talk about draft evaluations, yeah, I want to see strong hands. I want to see guys that can go up and get the ball or, or catch the ball outside their frame. I want to see guys that can finish through contact. But if you throw at me, oh Evan, you got to watch David Bell. Watch this one-handed catch he makes. I'm out like that. Well, not, that's not, Aaron Dobson. Right. Like no thing. Like that can't be the only thing that is good about his tape. And David Bell's steady in every single way, but he's not good. He's not elite at any one thing besides maybe the ability to go up and, and make some good catches in contested right. situations. So basically he's a good complementary piece. He's a good secondary option, right. which good yeah. teams need. I just talked about that with the Chiefs, but the Patriots yeah. need a playmaker. Then give me George Pickens. Yeah. I'm a George Pickens guy right now. Now, I still love the idea of John Mechie with Mac Jones. I know that it would probably have to wait a year, but nowadays with ACL rehab and and surgeries and the way that they're able to get these guys so quickly back on the field and the fact that pretty much everybody that, that has an ACL comes back and is fine now. Like there's not a whole lot of guys that pull a Dante Culpepper, right? That are just never the same dude anymore. That just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. So I just love the idea and I, I think it's so, you know, such an easy comparison and maybe it's lazy, but I, I can't help but look at what Burrow's doing with Chase and be like, if you put Mac with Mechie and a guy that he's thrown to, you know, how many times yeah. between practice and in games at Alabama. And I know that behind the scenes, those guys work together a lot because Mechie wasn't starting initially, right? Just like Mac wasn't starting. So right. when they go two on two, you know, twos on twos and stuff like that, and they run basic off to the side, uh, Mac and Mechie was a connection then as well when he was behind rugs and, and, you know, Judy and all these other guys there at Alabama. I, I just love the idea of pairing him with a guy he's familiar with. Cause I think that that eliminates so much of the chemistry that needs to be built between quarterback and receiver. So let me ask you this. Why, why Mechie over Williams? Cause I would take, if, if we're going to go down that road, I take Jameson Williams. Well, J- how much did Mac play with Jameson? I don't think much, right? As much the same year. Okay. And he so, wasn't starting either. Cause they were all, they were behind. Right, but but Jameson was at Ohio Smith. state. Right. So I, I don't remember Jameson Williams playing much with Mac, but maybe, maybe my memory is, is incorrect there. Because last year they played so much with uh, with you know Smith Waddle Mechie was like their top three right so maybe Jameson mixed in. Oh, I thought Jameson Williams had another year there. I just still think Jameson Williams is better. But again, it's I think a big part of the mistake with Harry because and and this is something I'm going to bring up a lot in the yeah. in the course of this offseason. The nature versus nurture thing. It's not just the play you're taking. You have to right. develop them and use them correctly. They botched. I don't want to say they yeah. bought. Let me rephrase that. No, they botched Nik- it. You can say that. Well, no, 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 because it's not entire. Nikhil Harry's injuries. They botched it. Nikhil Harry's first summer was a mess. Yes. Right? He they they put him back in that that Lions game when he had his hamstring issue, and then he was on IR and all of that. Even though Mac and Mechie have the chemistry, they're not the only two guys on the field. Right? It's everybody else. Yeah. Do you want to invest that highly? And we we know how important that first summer is. For NFL prospects, I just think that maybe you, you want to invest that them. highly in a guy who doesn't get. He's not going to have that first summer. He's just. It's not. fair. I just think you can sort of bypass that due to a Mechie's familiarity with the Bill O'Brien system. Now that is probably has some overlap in what they are running at Alabama. I mean, we talked. 
Mac talked about the overlap, right, between Alabama right, right. and the Patriots offense, even under Steve Sarkeesian. So I think there is some overlap there with the offensive systems, and there's obviously a ton of already natural chemistry. So I think you might be able to bypass the training camp, OTAs, I just, camp thing. With Joe. I get the hesitation. I get it. You're, you're, here's it. the thing. It's it's a short, It's essentially a shortcut, right? You're trying to find a shortcut or a loophole to get a better receiver. Because the Bengals did it with Jamar Chase. So that's but they, that's but they didn't. But here's the thing: they didn't take a shortcut. He was fully healthy. They took him six sure. overall. They picked him over a generational tackle prospect. Right. That wasn't a loophole. That wasn't a shortcut. That was all your chips to the table. No shortcuts. No also not, also not a great case study for t- people that think that the trenches are more important. Than elite the trenches will team. always be the most important part. If you can't block, the quarterback can't throw. That's basic football. I mean, like, you were all people, Evan. Joe, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in that game, Alex, and they still won. And if the Titans kick a freaking extra point instead of that two-point conversion. All right, all right. This is a whole other conversation, but – Let's continue on with these questions because we, we told people we'd answer questions. We've answered, yeah. we've answered like three. Okay. I think this is a really interesting question, not necessarily about the inside linebacker thing, but you look at the course of the last three drafts, the Patriots have drafted a lot of linebackers, like a lot of linebackers, right? You got Winovich, you got Uche, you got Jennings, you got Perkins, right? They've drafted four linebackers. They have seen the light. They have known that Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley and some of these guys are going to age out of the program, right? They've known this, but they haven't been able to develop and, and install any of these players successfully into their defense. So are they continuing to take swings and, and completely bypassing these players at this point? Or do you believe that a guy like Uche, I, I, I'm pretty much, I say no on Winovich. I, I think Winovich is a whole different other animal, right? I think his attitude, his personality, his approach, I don't I don't think they like him, to be honest with you. Right. Uche and Perkins, do you think that those are two guys that could be a part of the answer here? Man, it, Josh Uche was so good in camp and, and OTAs and all of he, that. It he just, was excellent. He was. It, and he was even playing well before he got hurt this year. And they put him in that Miami game, and I thought he had a good game. I'm I still buy in on him. You're right. He, Winovich. He had a good game against the Jets sailed. too the next week. Yeah. yeah. Winovich, that ship has sailed. That's yeah. the reality of it. Um yeah. it really feels like Uche. And I understand why Uche didn't play a ton in the middle of the year because Kyle Van Noy and Matthew Judon were both playing at such a high level that you weren't gonna take them off the field. That's and that's football. That's how that works. They, they're not going to play at that high of a level all the time. I think you got to give Josh Uche a real shot this year because you can't have these years. And now it's going to be Ronnie Perkins too. You can't have these years go by where you keep drafting these guys top 60, 80, whatever it is, and not play right. right. So I Josh Uche showed me enough that he deserves a real chance. Like, that's the thing. I don't know that Winovich ever – did enough where you were like, okay, he's got to be like a 60% usage rate guy. Right. I feel like Josh Uche has shown that much. So just get him on the field at this point. Yeah. Josh Uche has talked a lot about in the past, how he wants to be Dante Hightower in terms of role, right? I'm not saying in terms right. of impact, in terms of all the accolades, but in terms of role, somebody that on early downs is playing inside linebacker. And on third down, you put him on the line of scrimmage and you let him rush the passer. And I still think that that ability is physically in Josh Uche. Like I think he can still be that player and people are clamoring for speed they're clamoring for explosiveness at the second level well there it is right there and I I really truly believe that you can go out and you can draft some of these guys that we're going to talk about over the next couple months and put them at that inside linebacker role and maybe they'll be a little bit more natural inside linebackers or have a little bit more experience off the line but in reality are they going to be that much more athletic than Josh Uche 
Are they going to be that much faster right. or that much more explosive than Josh Uche? Are they going to have the experience in the system that Josh Uche has? So unless you're going to get into Kobe Dean or one of these guys at the top of the draft, that is just a home run type of linebacker pick. If you're going back into the well on day two, aren't you just drafting another Josh Uche at that point? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm in on more like Quay Walker, fourth round, more of a true middle linebacker, that sort of player. They can't just keep taking these edge guys in the second round. And, sitting and, ho- and it- hoping that they can turn them into on-ball, off-ball guys and, and do the Dante Hightower, right. Kyle Noy dance. Yeah. In reality, it goes it, – it, 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 maybe this is a separate issue. I think it ties in. Correct me if it doesn't. It even goes back to what went wrong with Juwan Williams. Yeah. When they took Juwan Williams – and again, this is a nature versus nurture thing. I don't know that Juwan Williams would have been a star corner anywhere he went, but – he didn't play for two years. He was right. never going to play. When they took him, they had Stefan Gilmore, JC Jackson, and Jason McCourty all. And they had another, I'm missing somebody too there. Um, but they had a bunch of, I guess, probably John Jones. They yeah. had four great corners under contract for multiple years. I get you want to get ahead of guys leaving. Like, certainly. Absolutely. But at the same time, if guys don't play, and it's not just play. If they don't play, if they don't get practice reps, if they don't get reps in camp, et cetera. They're not going to develop. You, I, I get you take the best player on the board. I think right. best player on the board, though, that to me has always meant best for your team. Not necessarily just whoever would have the highest Madden overall. If that was the case, Matt Areza should be a first-round pick. But <laughs> it, it just it you got to draft guys who will play. You have to draft right. guys who will have a role. Right. And if it's they a- take an edge rusher in the second round behind – Uche behind Perkins, Van Noy still under contract. That guy's yeah. not going to play. He's Matthew not going to develop. We're yeah. going to do the same dance all over again. Yeah. Shoot on, obviously. Yeah. At this point, I, I truly do feel like with Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins that they need to put those guys on the field and see what they have in those players before they right. just draft the redux Josh Uche. There just doesn't seem to be much of a point there. All right. Cornerbacks, a couple quick ones here to wrap it up. Cornerbacks uh, in the first round. Love Sauce uh, Gardner uh, from uh, Cincinnati. Big fan. I I don't know if he'll still be on the board. Uh, He's probably going to be off. Andrew Booth Jr. is another name. I know some people are high on Roger McCreary from Auburn. Uh, What what are your thoughts on some of these guys? Yeah, I'm probably a little further behind on the corners than I'd like to be. Uh, I like Kair Elam out of Florida. I think he's a player, and he'll be right around their spot in the draft. I really like Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, shout out Mamba, but it's with a C. Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. I think, you know, if you watch him on Gardner, Bryant's on the other side. He's getting targeted yeah. a lot because yeah. Gardner's so good, right? And he held his own. Um, Gardner might be a top 10 pick. That guy's unbelievable. Right. So, but hey, the guy yeah. who played opposite him was pretty damn good too. Uh, yeah. I like, I really like Josh Job from Alabama. I know that people are going to kind of, you know, tighten up when they hear Alabama corner and right, and sh- you know, shades of I yeah. can't remember the name now. One of my favorite. Joe Joe reminds me a lot of like not not in terms of a player profile, but right. like just in terms of what you're getting is like a Logan Ryan, right? Where he's not like the best corner ever, but he can play the role, kind of like what Jalen Mills did for them last right. year. He's going to come in. He's going to be a number two. He's going to be a good number two. He's going to be a good number two for four years. Cyrus Jones, thank you, my right. everywhere today. He's not Cyrus Jones. Like this is Josh Job can legitimately play. And then yeah. if we want to go for value, uh, Matt Hankins from Iowa, 6'1", very physical corner, long arms. It's just he went to Iowa, and they're deep. Like He basically had no help around him. And you're in the Big Ten. He's going up against Jahan Dotson. He's going up against all those Ohio State receivers, right? And he was okay against him. He wasn't great. But if you put him in yeah. a team like the Patriots where they could, will give that second corner help, 
I think he could be somebody who could emerge into that second corner. And then one more real depth name. I think he's projected to go undrafted right now. But Stephen Gilmore from Marshall. Steph nope. Gilmore's brother. Yeah, I was going to say that. Right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so. yeah. I think sauce. Uh, I think sauce is going to go high. I, you look at last year. Yeah, I'm not. He's going to be off the board. Yeah, you look at guys like Patrick Sertan and uh, and uh, J.C. Horn. I, I was going to say Joe Horn. Uh, yeah. J.C. Horn. Those guys went what like eight and nine or something like that yeah. to Denver and Carolina. A guy that the guys that can cover like sauce. Guys that can cover like Derek Stingley, even though he doesn't have the tape in terms of volume. Uh, the tape that he does have is just off the charts. So I, I think you're looking at more in that uh, tier two, tier three cornerback market. All right, let's end it on this one. Who you got going to the Super Bowl, Alex? Uh, I put Casey and the Rams. I think I got Jimmy, Casey. Uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy's very lucky. He's not that lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, the Rams I, I, I really tend to agree good. with you. You know yeah. the you know the Spider Man meme when uh you know the, they they're pointing the point at each other thing, yeah. the 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 Rams and the 49ers are going to have a lot of Spider Man meme instances on Sunday right because those are teams are just schematically offensively especially it's the it's the same scheme right. right it's literally the same exact scheme but the difference is the Rams have the better quarterback so yeah. I, I I think it's Rams and KC and if the Rams make it back to the Super Bowl I I think once upon a time Alex Barth you were uh, Sean McVay's never going to make it back to a Super Bowl ever again was that I was that, that you? I uh, I might have said that you. I also sounds oh, like oh no 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 I remember exactly what I said I said Jared Goff's never going to make it back to a Super Bowl <laughs> oh, there's the cop out. I said, or I might have said McVay's not going to make it back with Goff Jared Goff was yeah. never going to make it back to a Super Bowl. I didn't know if I said that I had no idea McVay was going to get Matthew Stafford. If you had told me, well, what if he gets Matthew Stafford? I would have yeah. said, yeah, okay, maybe. All right. So, well, so we both have Chiefs Rams. We'll both probably be wrong. It'll be Bengals. Uh, if it's Bengals Niners, I mean, there is some, what was it, the 85, 80, no, 86? Somewhere, somewhere in there. It's not 85. No, that 86, was Bears, 86 is, is Patriots Bears. No, 85 is Patriots Bears. Oh, you're right. You're right. Bears. So, yeah, it might be 86. 86 or 88 or somewhere in there is Chris Collinsworth's Bengals against Joe Montana's 49ers. Uh, so, there is some history there. But let's be honest. If that's the Super Bowl, then nobody's going to care uh, outside of those two places other than it just being the Super Bowl, right? You know, it's, right. that's not the matchup anybody wants. Everybody wants a, a Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs Rams those are the two best teams in the league this year probably Uh, the Rams had that lull in the middle when Stafford got hurt and the Chiefs had some ups and downs but just in terms of pure talent and execution on both sides of the ball when they're humming uh, those two teams seem to be the best all right Alex and I will be back on Thursday we're going to talk some senior bowl right some senior bowl on on Thursday we're going to get into that it's uh, I can't believe it's senior bowl week already Uh, senior bowl is during the bye week, right? In between the uh, the Super Bowl and uh, the championship weekend yes. and the bye. Yes, Pro Bowl week. Pro Bowl week. So we're going to talk about some draft prospects that will be at the Senior Bowl. You know that Dave Ziegler and Bill Belichick are definitely going to be at the Senior Bowl. So that's going to be a lot of fun to look. I don't know if Bill will be there, but, but Ziegler and his staff will definitely be there. I know last year, I don't think Bill went, right? I, I think that that was the, uh, I think it was just Ziegler and their team. So uh, we'll be here on Thursday to break down some uh, senior bowl uh, targets, interest players of interest practices next week, uh, game next weekend. It should be a lot of fun. So we'll see you guys Thursday. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you guys later.